Welcome to the Alan Turing Podcast with James Turing and some of the UK's most exciting and forward-thinking business leaders. Today, Alan is famous as the father of computer science and co-breaker of the Nazi Enigma machine and has been celebrated by the BBC as the greatest person of the 20th century. But it wasn't always that way. At the time of his passing in 1954, Alan's life had been defined as much by the tragic way in which he was treated by the country he had done so much to help as it had by any of his work in mathematics or computing. Alan's family are keen to do their part in building the kinder and smarter world that Alan envisioned all those years ago, which is why we've launched this podcast series in which James Turing, the great nephew of Alan, will be speaking to some of the women and men shaping Britain today, covering a range of subjects from sustainability and mental health to inclusivity and innovation. First of all, just a few words from the organisations behind this series. The Turing Trust is a charity run by the Turing family. They refurbish used IT kit, install a range of brilliant educational software, and provide it to those who need it most, principally in rural African communities. Their vision is that one day every child will be able to enjoy the transformative power of technology. So if your business doesn't yet have a solution for reusing its old IT kit, please do get in touch. The other organisation behind this series is Boss Digital, a digital marketing agency that specialises in helping B2B and professional service firms generate more business online. We're incredibly proud to be helping the Turing Trust accelerate their impact. So to reiterate, if your company does not have a strategy for its old IT kit and are sending it into landfill, please visit the Turing Trust site today and they'll help you turn that waste into a tool that will transform the lives of thousands of students. Over to James. Hi, Rachel. Thank you very much for joining me today on the Alan Turing podcast. I'm delighted to be speaking with you today. Just to begin, would you mind giving our audience a brief introduction to yourself and Snapdragon, please? Of course, and thank you very much for inviting me along. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is Rachel Jones. I am the head dragon, or founder and, and chief exec of a business called Snapdragon Monitoring. And Snapdragon fights fakes online. So what we do is we are scouring the internet, social media and domains in general for products and sellers which infringe our customers' intellectual property, so trademarks. And copyright things like that so basically we're looking for fakes and counterfeits so that we can take them offline to protect the businesses and their customers fantastic that's great to know and where did you guys come up with the idea of being head dragon <laughs> <laughs> well when i'm based in the lair which is what we call our office there's no choice to be anything other than a head dragon um no but seriously what led me to set the business up um, was that I invented a baby product um, some years ago. In fact, so many years ago that the child I invented it for is now studying mechanical engineering. Um, so this baby product, the tot seat, was invented to harness a child into any adult chair when you're out and about, a sort of high chair in your pocket. And it did very well for a number of years. And then about eight, eight years into the journey, a counterfeit was seized um, by the customs authorities in Southampton. And the bottom just fell out of my world. I was completely horrified. Um, the idea of a fake baby product is just, I mean, to any parent, you know, your blood just runs cold, really. And then I was just worried that we might be sued by somebody as well if fakes got out and people used them and they weren't safe and all the rest of it. So actually, it was a real need and necessity is the mother of invention, as they all say, that uh, prompted Snapdragon to be set up because I just decided I had to learn how to find these fakes and stop them being sold. And uh, once I had done that for myself, I discovered that there were a number of other people in very similar situations to me 
uh, they just were not really being ostrich-like, but just not sure what to do about fakes. And the only process for dealing with them seemed to be expensive and slow through lawyers. But actually, intellectual property is a wonderful, wonderful tool to have, and, and you can use it to defend yourself online. And it was really from there that Snapdragon was born. Amazing. So it sounds very much like that was one of the, the formative experience that kind of led to the business. Absolutely. Um, was there something else in your background beforehand that kind of led you to the, you knew that you've had being a founder within you? Snapdragon's my third founding experience. So um, I've been running or co-founding and running businesses for about 30 years. <laughs> I've been at it for a while, I suppose. I suppose. And uh, Snapdragon was the sort of latest of my bad ideas. And uh, six years on, here we are uh, with a global client base and a team of 30 in Edinburgh. Amazing. That's brilliant. Um, and I suppose uh, one of the questions I always like to ask is if you can tell me a little bit about a, a challenging period in your working life and how that's kind of shaped the way that you manage and lead others. I mean, I think from the point of view of leading others and running a business, what matters to me is the fact that the people that we employ are absolutely our biggest asset, without a doubt. And their health and mental well-being is my primary consideration every day. That is the thing which matters the most, because without the people, we can't do the wonderful job that we do. So that is always what I put at the beginning of every day, always, and what I would encourage anybody else to do as well. Um, I mean, I think from the point of view of what I have been through with Totsi, where, you know, we had a profitable business, uh, employed a team of five, we lost absolutely everything, had to make everybody redundant. I mean, it was just grim. I know the effect that counterfeits can have on a business. And and also on the people that are involved in that business, whether you lose your job or whether you're just, you know, so anxious and worried about fakes getting out there and hurting other people, that it is a horrible situation to be in. And I think the fact that I really understand what people are going through when they have fakes, you know, that has been a key part of Snapdragon and growing Snapdragon and people working with us because they know we understand basically the hell that they are going through. And it, it, we're not just being glib and saying, you know, we understand because we do know. I mean, I absolutely know what that feels like. But again, that's about putting the people first. Yes, absolutely, it's about the business, but it's about understanding what's happening to the people that are in the business and how they're tackling it and how we can help them sleep at night. So that's a massive challenge. That's, you know, lose one business, set up another business. And then I think just through COVID, um, making sure that everybody is was sane and healthy and not too isolated was completely key. And we did a trial day working from home and everybody was working from home from that day forward without ever coming back. But it really mattered to me that, you know, we could, see each other and although we couldn't see each other because we weren't allowed to I mean I would pitch up on people's doorsteps and look at them from afar just to make sure they were all right and take them parcels of food and things and many of them were a long way from their families you know we have a very international team which is fantastic but when you're a long way from home and you can't get home you know it's pretty miserable really isolating and I really wanted them to feel part of the family the snapdragon family and so that is the way that we run the business and of course, it's not always doozy would be done by because everybody has their own individual way of how they want to be led and nurtured and, and to grow and everything else. But the best bit about running a business is bringing people in and seeing them grow and flourish and, and become new people, um, you know, developing their own skills and leading their own team. Wonderful. So the next thing I wanted to ask you, Rachel, was just about whether there was something you could do for us in terms of looking into a crystal ball and making a prediction for the future, something that you think might change your market or indeed the broader business landscape and how we could try and prepare for it. I'm absolutely no good at foreseeing the future whatsoever. But what I would say is that your wonderful statistic about computer skills increasing the likelihood of people's income by 39% is what triggered my interest in supporting the Turing Trust. So whatever we can do 
all of us to improve people's computer and digital skills can only be a good thing. And what we have seen over the pandemic has been, obviously, as we all know, a massive increase in folks going online and buying things online and huge numbers of fakes being sold online because actually those who are inexperienced with online shopping have been gently and sadly coerced into buying things which aren't the right thing. So I think improving skills in that space is absolutely crucial. And it isn't just about the young. It is also about the old who are, you know, isolated and trying to get themselves online. So I think those things are all going to influence where we're going. I mean, it's, the world is going to get more digital. I hope it will become more equal. That would be my main thing. No, well, uh, I couldn't agree more. And I have to probably put in a caveat here that I promise this wasn't a paid promotion. Um, but thank you, Rachel. I couldn't, I couldn't ask for or uh, agree more with your answer there. Oh, well, that's good. I mean, that honestly is a perfectly true answer. So I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> um, so one of the things I think I was quite interested in what you were just saying there in terms of the sort of dangers that can be spread through, uh, particularly online through fake products and things like that. Um, I was wondering what your thoughts were, because sometimes you do kind of get the perception that lots of big household brands that people often buy things through will have lots of somewhat fake products on their website. And these larger brands uh, or retailers don't seem to be particularly bothered to buy fake brands. Uh, I'm wondering what your thoughts were on that. My thoughts as to fake products being sold online. Uh, yeah, I could be here all day. So the thing about fake products is it is actually illegal to sell counterfeit products. And so what happens is that people work around brand descriptions and names and all the rest of it and sell copycats. Either way, a fake product or a copycat product often hasn't gone through all of the rigorous development and testing that a genuine product will have done. So my biggest worry about copycat and fake products is always, always about safety. And to be fair to brands, that tends to be their biggest concern as well. So where products are faked and cheap fakes and copycats are bought, it is always a safety aspect which will drive a brand to try and take them offline. Absolutely, revenues are diverted and absolutely reputations can be mangled by reviews, but it's always about consumer safety, first and foremost. I think the problem with large retail operations whereby any seller can come on and sell a product it's where you start to get an issue because the platforms themselves are growing very quickly. They haven't got enough people working for them to assess who the seller is that's coming on board and what the products are that they're putting online. They do do a lot of work behind the scenes, but one doesn't always see that, of course, as the consumer. And it's easy to be duped into buying something which isn't real. So what we sell will say to people is the brand's tend to where they can do a lot of work it often looks like they're not doing enough but they tend to do most of them do a lot but it is also very much up to the consumer when purchasing to look out for key things if for example you're buying on a major platform where many people can sell as well as the platform owner perhaps and it looks like the product that you are buying is a wee bit cheaper than you might have expected Check back on the original brand's website, for example, and see what the pricing's like. Is the model you're buying a slightly different colour? Because that can also often be a, a bit of a red flag. It might be being offered as, say, you know, kind of special colour or special discount colour or all the rest of it. But sometimes that isn't true. But particularly if the product says straight from factory or three weeks delivery or whatever else, very, very unusual for um, any brand to sell directly from its factory. In fact, I'm not sure I know any that do. So one just needs to not believe that and 
buy from the brand directly or from an authorised reseller. So unfortunately, it is a bit of a case of buyer beware. Um, and the platforms can all do more. They are all doing a bit. Uh, when one buys a copycat product, you should definitely report it. You should send it back. You should get your money back and all the rest of it. Um, but also it is a case of just buying with diligence. No, that's fascinating. I had absolutely no idea about that factory line. Certainly something to look out for in the future. Thank you. Yes, it's it's a it's a bit of a, an issue, but one of many. <laughs> absolutely. Fantastic. Well, it was absolutely brilliant to speak with you today, Rachel. I, I've certainly learned a lot about how I can try and spot the fakes through their listings online and other things as well. So thank you very much for taking the time. 